when you think of black billionaires, names like Oprah, Michael Jordan, Bob Johnson, Jay-Z and Beyonce come to mind. One thing they all have in common, they made their millions in the entertainment industry. However, long before all these people I just named began their careers, there was a brother from East Baltimore named Reginald F. Lewis. He was ever thinking, ever planning, ever vigilant, or getting the job done. Driven, okay? Intense, loving, tender, and family was very important. Power, ambition, wealth, determination, dad, funny, smart, amazing, one of a kind, difficult. On January 19, 1993, after six short months battling a brain tumor, Reginald Francis Lewis, a noted businessman, family man, scholar, and athlete, died. Reginald F. Lewis and the making of a billion-dollar empire. He was a local paperboy who became a Wall Street tycoon. The thing I admired about Reginald Lewis, he was a take-charge kind of a guy. Breaking racial barriers in the corporate world. Reg Lewis, in many ways, was the Jackie Robinson of business. He bought a global conglomerate, 64 companies across 31 countries. No African-American has done ever a big deal like that. Reginald F. Lewis, pioneer. The Bros Bookshelf presents to you. Why should white guys have all the fun? How Reginald Lewis created billion dollar business empire. to the Bruz Bookshelf Podcast, where we read the books and let the content drive the discussion. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Welcome to another podcast episode of the Bros Bookshelf with your host, Lennon Givens. I'm joined here with my original co-host, Mr. Walt Baby Love Atkins. Here we go. Here we go. I'm also here with my line brother, the deuce dog, Mr. Donovan Snipe. What up, though? Cool. And we also have the smooth. Silky baritone voice of Dr. Harvey Hinton the third. <laughs> Y'all, let's jump right into it. Walt. What's up, man? Why you picked this book? All right, so the first book I was going to pick had a little conflict amongst the bros. <laughs> Spell it out, Walt. Spell out the conflict. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that, bro. Spell out the conflict, Walt. Bro said the book was kind of boring. Bro, what said, book was that, book. Walt? Let, let, let the listeners uh, know who book who was all right, like. Uh-uh. So, all right, so no offense to the to the to the to the family, no offense to the uh, the authors or whatnot, but the book was called The Black Titan. Um, it was a book about uh, was a H.G. Gaskins who was a uh. An entrepreneur and Alab, it was AG Birmingham. Yeah, AG. Birmingham. Yeah, AG Gaskins, who was a he was mm-hmm. an entrepreneur down in Birmingham, Alabama. He was a tycoon in the insurance industry, 
also mm-hmm. was a tycoon in the real estate industry as well too mm-hmm. uh yeah like real real thorough thorough black dude Birmingham entrepreneur and businessman A.G. Gaston was one of the most successful African-American business owners in Alabama. Gaston overcame humble beginnings and racial discrimination to build a $40 million business empire. Gaston worked behind the scenes to financially support the civil rights movement, created an employee stock option, and sold his insurance company to his employees for a fraction of its value. But the book was kind of one of the ones that was going to be a difficult read so we decided to switch <laughs> gears and when we switched gears we landed on this book right here uh by Reginald lewis which is titled why should white guys have all the fun to not gloss over uh ag gaston he also started technical schools where they learned like vocational skills where he employed them afterwards so you know he was ahead of his time yeah, absolutely. He also owned one of the few black hotels uh, across the country as well, too. Like, dude was like one of one of them guys, one of them guys for his time, for his time. So I dive in, I dive into his life another time. Outside, yeah, of I think they could have got a better ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my granddad, he was so awesome. He used to cut the watermelon and portion them out to everybody evenly. The world was small back then, dog. Come on, dog. That was a big deal. Yeah. You, that was a big deal. That's love. It's love. That's how like, it was. Feet washing was a big deal one time. Who's <laughs> <laughs> like, talking about that? Walt was looking for the, the, the inspiration to get to that bag. I'll be getting yeah. to the money. That's really, that's the bag. I ain't gonna lie, Harvey. That's really what it is, man. Like, and we, I'm, well, I know I'm always, we, we, we all should be in constant pursuit of inspiration to be better, to be better men, to be better fathers, to be better uh, entrepreneurs, to be better stewardships of our jobs. We all should be looking for inspiration. And like, that's what's one of them guys. I, I well, I, I haven't dove into his, his, his history that much, but I want to though. So I'll read it outside of the bros book show, but we was able to tap into another gentleman who was on a modern day, even a more, even on his level or even a higher level, then A.G. Gaskins, you know, which was uh, Mr. Reginald Lewis. Mm. He's one of those once-in-a-lifetime people, like, no sleep, always were very thorough. What are y'all thoughts? What you think made him that way? I don't know. Some people just kind of have, like, that that kind of that drive, like, just kind of inborn. Like, in a lot of cases, it is, uh, like, environmental. But like some people are just kind of born with like that go to it. Like I need like they can just see what's what's not right, and then they just have that drive to like do what needs to be done. I recall um, vividly about four o'clock in the morning, looking at the brochure describing the sixty-four companies in thirty-one countries saying that no one in his right mind would take on that task. And like, I don't know if that's something that's always can be cultivated or I don't know. For him, it seems like it was just something that was just um, born within. So he had an ink factor. I don't know, man. I, I think I think it going back to the same statement we said about uh, Mr. A.G., no disrespect to the family. I think this book was trash. And um, I don't know what Reginald Lewis's drive was. I'm not impressed by it, to be honest with you. I don't get it. I don't see where it goes. It's a drive that leads to absolutely no fucking where, if you ask me. <laughs> but, you know, I agree with what Walt says around, you know, I want to find the inspiration. I want to feel like, okay, yeah, let me pick up the pace. Yeah, this is some tools to get there. I don't get that from these reads. Was his story trash or how it was written was trash? Like, what I part think a little was bit trash? of all of it. I mean, I don't know that his story was like that phenomenal. Like, he's not like an overachiever. I mean, I mean, as a business person, for him to accomplish what he did, phenomenal. And it's not for everybody to even understand. So let's get that front and foremost. Like, I don't even think you're supposed to understand what's happening in this book. The shit's like, oh, who knows about these business transactions? I don't do this kind of work. 
So let, don't true. don't let me miss that part about my ignorance making me not like this too, right? Because I, I don't you. know what the hell he's talking about. What do you say? You mean to tell me that if I put you in at Union Carbide at a 7 and took you out at 32? Texas Instruments at 11 and took you out at 47? U.S. Steel at 16, took you out at 41? You wouldn't be saying to me right now, Chester, pick me up a few thousand shares of Disney on the spot right now. Come on. I mean, honestly, Kevin, honestly. <laughs> seriously? I'm with you on that part. I think the book did focus a lot on the intricate details of corporate takeovers and uh, buying business. And it... And it kind of made the middle of the book boring. It was really interesting when we were talking about more relatable things when he was, when it was going into his life and how he came up and how he came about. But uh, once it started getting to like the intricate details of the business transactions, uh, the only thing that I could gain from that and take away from that would be his his relentless work ethic. I've, I've never really viewed myself as particularly talented. I've viewed myself as, you know, slightly above average in talent. And where I excel is ridiculous, sickening work ethic. You know, while the other guy's sleeping, I'm working. While the other guy's eating, I'm working. And yeah. And how how he paid attention to detail while running a hundred miles per hour. I mean, at one point they say the brother took like eight flights in a ten hour like went visited like four countries in a ten hour, sixteen hour. That's ridiculous, bro. Like I don't understand like I don't even understand what it means to run a company that you don't do. You know, like I think about artists, I think mm -hmm. about craftsmen, I think about people who work with their hands and they and they pour all they know into what it is they do to make a fabric or to, to make a dish for someone to eat. And this guy's a business owner that just comes and just buys up shit and owns it from miles away. Like, like I guess, you know, salute to him. I don't want to sound too stupid, Walt, but goddamn, like this. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I, I get, I get you, I get you, dog. I get you, dog. It's a, it's a different world, though. It's a different, it's a different world that like most people don't understand, you know. Like, he, and also, it's even more kudos to him because he did not go to business school. Right. He was a lawyer, dog. He was a lawyer that took a niche within uh, some deals he had did within the past. Some he had snuck failed. in the law school. Yeah, he snuck in the law school. Look, let's but, let's talk but about that. Law in everything that we do here. I mean, there's, is, there's an element of law in everything, right? So it, when, when it, you when you have a law degree, it's a catch-all degree. Yeah, if you know if you, that's what you're out for. Yeah, I, I'll say with the law degree, also on top of the drive and the relentlessness to like just have the know-how to be able to understand and structure these deals too, because he had done several in the past. Some had failed, and some and some and only a few were successful. But the ones that did stick, my goodness. It went to the I moon. Think, I think Lennon, um, I think he was spoiled in a different kind of way. I think he was, I think his his mom gave him the Kanye. Uh oh, well, Kanye. All right, all right, that's good, Kanye. This is so exciting, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, can you believe it? I can believe it the way you are. Somebody got to do it. You play tracks like Michael Jordan shoots free throws. And I think, you know, he believed in himself over, over, um, inflated ego, if you will, in terms of like what his ambitions were. And if you get the right wind behind you, it can work. 
And I think that's what happened with him. He's not the only one that came up like that, though. We know somebody in our time today that's still around today who mother spoiled them and gave <laughs> them the world. And they have a relentless work ethic. You know, everybody talks about how this person never sleeps and this person is just driven this enormous drive. And that's Puffy. I could book that for like the, the, the weekend of the 14th when the soundtrack comes out. If, if so, bump somebody. I, all right, thanks. All right, love you, man. Bye. I got my MTV out. I'm a savage! What's next? What's next? I gotta get it. I'm not gonna stay fucking down. I'm not gonna stay fucking lying down. I'm not. I can't do that, man. I can't do that. What's next? Give me something else. What can't you do? I can do it. I can do anything. Puffy is the same way. So back to your point, Harvey. Yeah, he didn't physically do any tangible things with his hands. But he worked just as hard, if not harder. You know, he was talking about him being in the office and not getting any sleep at night and people coming in at five, six o'clock in the morning. He's still there. Or, you know, he, he'll be there at six o'clock in the morning and be there all day long. My only thing was, when did you have time for your family? Never had time for the family. That's what I was looking at. I was so, like, you getting all of this money and doing all of this stuff, but at what cost? Like, what? Yeah. What's it so really me, to be rich? Yeah. Like, so for for me, it seemed like that was the ultimate sacrifice he had to pay because his fam his wife was a lawyer too as well. Um, but that was brilliant. Uh, yeah, brilliant as well. She probably could have been, you know, she was from from the Philippines, right? I want to say, mm -hmm. and she probably people had money too. People had money. She came from prestige. So even mm -hmm. when he approached her to, to 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 marry, it was like he was marrying to like a prestigious type family. They were looking at him like, who the hell is this black guy? Hold on, let's talk about that. Uh, let's let's talk about that. Uh let's talk about their encounter and their first date. When he said, Hey, come look at my pad. You, oh, you like these pictures on the wall? You like every oh, this is real nice. This is real nice. And she turned around, he naked. He think it's gonna be one of them kind of fun. You been watching the movies? Oh, oh, he's so horny. Hey. Oh, Dallas, he left you a long time. He was trying to get one of them. Oh, yeah. That's he what he was the used to. He laying up on the couch to. naked with, all, with his taco meat out. <laughs> he got, he got, he got his taco to. hands on his chest. And she gonna run out of the room. Take one of these kind of parties. <laughs> too early, too early, too soon, too soon. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, wow, man. Hey, but, but let, that's what let, kind of guy he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of kind of guy he was, and also like with, with his upbringing. Uh, let's talk about his upbringing for a second, if y'all don't mind. So early on, he was what b born on the east side of Baltimore. Then he was raised on the west side of Baltimore. So a lot of his friends, um, he went to you know historically black uh, high school, which is a uh, Paul Lawrence Dunbar Dunbar High School, which was known for a bunch of basketball players, a bunch of football stars. Uh, even to this day, um, yeah, he was one. Yeah, he was one. He was one. Correct. He was one. Um, but on on top of that, like the, the, his high school stories, how he had bought this car, you know, and how his his stepdad helped pay for the insurance, how it put like a a major financial stress on on the family, and like just hearing some of those small stories, man, and how he would like talk to several girls and try to make him out to be a ladies' man in high school as well, too, you know, but. They also never shot away from the fact in the book that he was not the best pop, the best student, you know, like nah, wasn't the wasn't. best student. He did, he didn't become a good student until he came to uh, to HBCU, which was Virginia State. That's when he became his freshman year. He wasn't like the best student, but he started picking it up. He had the potential and the work ethic. That's You're how he about ended up and at high school or in college. Yeah, Virginia because State. you remember, like when he went to Virginia State, he was able to. Uh, drop his at, uh, athletic scholarship and pick up his and, and pick up an academic scholarship. Yeah, I was so he about, wasn't no slouch. No, I was. I didn't say it was a slouch. I I was saying in high school he did not have the best of grades. 
Oh, he okay. He worked so many, yeah, he worked so many hours. He worked, he had so many jobs. I mean, he had a job as a waiter. He had a job as all he had different work places. Yeah, he was just always working, man. Always, always working, always working, trying to figure out where the next dime going to come from. So that's out of a necessity of poverty and not, and also pride as well, too, not wanting to ask your mom and dad for money to be able to put your shoes, your clothes, and just regular everyday expenses, you know? He didn't I think there was hurting. more so pride than pride than than anything. Donovan, you were a psychology major. Dig into the psychosis of that, of his upbringing when he was like, "I don't want to be a burden on y'all," and how they could. Do you think his his drive was more so of a a pride thing, an insecure thing, or I want to just show you? I want to prove to you. Some people are driven just by trying to prove something to somebody. Hmm. Um, as it's written, it seems like he kind of just wanted to prove it to himself. Um, the pride thing was definitely um something that's kind of interwoven into that, but more so on a I don't need you, right? Like I don't need you, but like I'm also scared that I'm gonna fail. So let me work as hard as I can. He looked at his dad as an underachiever. When he was young, his mother left his father when he was three years old. And when he was around seven, he asked one of the members of the family, why did she do that? And somebody told him, because your father was not ambitious enough. And he, in his mind, he said, well, I'll be sure when I get married, she will never leave me because I'm not ambitious enough. So that's, that's the part that I wanted to kind of touch on, this idea. So to Walt's point, right, um, and I know I said earlier, you know, we, I'm looking for some inspiration in this piece. So when I'm looking at his upbringing, looking at his drive, I can resonate. I was driven as a youngster. I I played all the sports. I had good grades and I also had a job. What's just now making sense to me, I've, I've, I've been aware of this for some time. My money was my money. My situation didn't make my money go to my situation. My money was my money. And that's a difference because some people's money had to go to that situation. Mm, His money didn't go to his situation. Like nobody made him like help out, you Mm -hmm. know? So everything he did was him. And and his, his, his family allowed that to be, you know? And so that's a different, like he, it's a different type of support system. So where he had enough security, enough, enough of a solid foundation that allowed him to be selfish, and it worked. He was raised to be selfish too, Harvey. Absolutely. I mean, he he started off as the only child, and when his mom married, and they started having other kids. Everybody else in the house had to share a room. He was the only one that had the opportunity to have his own bedroom. I mean, his mama had, had a, made some clear distinctions around, some right. clear barriers he, around how he was going to be treated. treated. Right. Yeah. He had he had like a uh, an autonomous, Every independent relationship with his mother. <laughs> and it, it was me and my mama and then y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I also think that... My mama let y'all stay here. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. And I also believe that one of his drives is his determination not to be wrong or uh, a one-up or to lose. He was just an extreme competitive person. And I don't... uh, Harvey, you know, I, I have to push back just a little. I don't think it really had anything to do with the money. I think the money was the barometer... But it, it had everything to do, in my opinion, of the competition. Maybe. I mean, some people clearly have a business acumen, man. I can remember when I was that age, I had a lawnmower, and I would go get my homeboy, and we would go cut grass. And I would split the money 50-50. And my mom used to be like, that's not right. That's your lawnmower. That's your gas. And I'm like, mom, that's my friend, and <laughs> we doing a job. I couldn't understand what she was saying. Reginald Lewis would have understood it. Wholeheartedly. Uh, well, <laughs> he would have well, understood it. Well, he had to learn early on 
his mom had to teach him that by showing him, by telling him he couldn't have gotten it. His mama showed him when she was doing them, them paper routes. Clear, but the head butting with mom over his paper route convinced Lewis he had to study law to do business. Reginald went to camp for two weeks and uh, I served the papers. I put Jean in the stroller and I put the papers under the stroller and uh, I served, served his papers. And uh, when he came home from camp, he asked to settle up. And I said, what are we to settle up? He said, my money. I said, but I did the work. So I earned the money. He said, I'm gonna get a lawyer. I said, you really need one because we didn't make a contract. I said, you don't do any business unless you have understanding. <laughs> she she took all that money. She said, I did the work. This <laughs> I, 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 I was doing all of this stuff. Like, look at what look at what I had to do. Look what got Yeah, so look, I, I think I think it was a pivotal moment a, a moment too as well, too, because like from that point on, you realize that most of the other businesses that he was involved in, he wanted to make sure he was pretty much present uh, and was a mastermind behind the situation. Not the, the ones he acquired, he was present as far as on the executive side and not work inside the business, but he was a mastermind behind it, making sure the people that worked for him understood that he was going to get the lion's share of the situation at all points in time. What was that lesson his mama taught him, Walt? She said, make sure that your uh, your intentions and your expectations are spelled out up front yeah. and never deviate from the plan. Right. Yeah. Set your plan up front and never move from it. It ain't he, personal. He was like, I'm going to eat first and I'm going to eat the most. And that's Period. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the rest all 12 of y'all y'all eat was left over after I get mine first <laughs> but it seems like she set him up to kind of be this executive like if you think about it she kind of absolutely like and and not even like in a baby way because if she was the baby him he would have gotten all the money but she was like no you lose I win but he threatened to sue her yeah did. I mean that's I mean that's the he threatened to sue her. He threatened to sue her. He told his uncle I ain't giving you shit. He asked his uncle, like, what's up, uncle? What you need? Hey man, slap me some cash. Man, I ain't giving you shit, man. Go get a job, you <laughs> fucking bum. Hey. Like, what kind <laughs> of guy is this? Man? Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, that was kind of later on in the story, but his uncle asked for a million dollars though. Can I have a million dollars? What's a million to him? What's a million you slim? You make you make six but million. Harvey, right. but Harvey, you know, to his defense. The the amount of work and sacrifice that he he made to make all these things. Man, Aunt was bullshitting. He knew uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew Aunt was bullshitting. <laughs> he knew Aunt, he knew damn well Aunt was bullshitting. Oh man, let me get a million dollars. I want to live how you live. I never called me a nigga again. He checked his aunt. Exactly. He checked his big <laughs> aunt. <laughs> <laughs> He came back from college using all them big old words and and, uh, and, and philosophies and concepts on his aunt. His uncle was like, nigga, please. He said, I told you not to call me a nigga again. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, you know what? She was all them big ass words, nigga. But you know what's hey, look, you know what's funny about that? But it's also true in the same sense as like when he came back from college using those big words or whatnot. I think we all have like went through that and it's and and in a on a similar level, you know. Like we go to school for a couple of years, we come back maybe our junior year from from school, and we have a, a different level of understanding of like life and college words, understanding, yeah. and then we kind of been a little bit more a different. different vocabulary. That's been your exactly. norm. Well, and, and, and then you come back home and you still think it's the norm because you ain't adjusted yet. Right well, with yeah. him, you know that probably wasn't no surprise though. I mean, think about it. he had that expensive ass car in high school that he wasn't supposed to have. We talk down on people who do that. You know what I'm saying? We we, you know, it's in a black man soda rock that go right, but we talk down on people who want to have expensive and fly shit. And Reginald Lewis out here playing and gonna go run to somebody else's house talking about so my button on for my mama get mad. Like he was so caught up in material shit, go out and buy this expensive ass car in high school that he cannot afford and maintain. Harvey, just I looked stunt. at that a little bit different. Maybe you did, but that shit I mean, is I weird. Didn't, I didn't me. think it, I. I looked at it as entitlement. 
It's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like but, he was but, entitled. Like, like how you gonna ask somebody to sew your button on before? That's what I'm saying. Like, like who the fuck? You better. No, no, no. We saying the same thing. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just like how how dare he be like that? You know. But it's it's it's. But again, we look down on people who 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 do that. You know. And how those kids, people are how many the people kids who run the world with that had some kind yeah. of car that maybe they shouldn't have had, but they was like, "Yo, I'm I'm had this thing." So and was like, what you doing? When I was going to uh, Lang Middle School, there was this young man who, I guess, over his birthday, over Christmas, uh, his parents bought him a blazer. I was upset. Like, why? Why didn't I let D drive like drive his car to school? But like later on, I was like, maybe this middle school child should not have a brand new car driving to middle school. Because I mean, how old you have to be to get a license? How old are you in middle school? Maybe they should invest in education instead of a car. But yeah, giving kids extravagant gifts ain't necessarily the best thing unless they kind of like I want to say earn it or like can manage it. Um, so the question the question will be how do you how do you define a, a fourteen or fifteen year old kid earning a car outside of him working for it? Bro, Reggie did work for it. He, he I, bought his own car. I bought a Volkswagen when I was sixteen years old. I bought a Volkswagen and I paid my insurance. My daddy was mad as hell. <laughs> hey, but look, hey Harvey, look, you also bought what was available within your eyesight. Reggie did the I same exact thing. He bought a car yeah. that was on the side of the road for like walking exactly. up. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. My daddy was like, "What? Did, what have you done? This is a this is a Volkswagen. This shit ain't cheap <laughs> to fix. I'm like it's nine hundred dollars." <laughs> 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 you know, so it's like this ambition, this drive to want to yeah. be something, and and before you know it, you're out here in this world, and it's forcing you. You know, he had to push the car all the way back to school. Car, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I've been in that space before. We I all mean, been, we all been in that same space, man. Original <laughs> has no quit in him. None, <laughs> none, none. Stubbornness can go both ways. Stubbornness can be a bad nah, nah, thing. Nah, 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 nah. He does have some quit. Tell him, Walt, he put them damn pads up. He put oh, yeah, them he put damn pads, pads up. up. He put them pads up. He had some yeah, quit him. He put them pads <laughs> up. You just got to yeah. know when to hold them and yeah, know when to hold them. Hey, Walt, he put them damn pads up. Hey, he a businessman. He made a business decision. You know how hard, look, like, and they kind of gloated over that conversation as well, too. Exactly. you know how hard... Bro, you know I understand how hard it is to earn a football scholarship. Exactly. My baby is going to a university. I always knew you would amount to something. I did. When you were a little boy, you used to run around here all the time with that football in your hand. You remember that? I'm proud of you, baby. Thanks, Mom. You make your mama proud. I understand how hard it is to call your mother and tell her, hey, look, I'm not going to be playing football no more. I'm going to give up this free education. The main, bro, that, that's that's not a real small conversation to have. His mother gave him A, no pushback, and B, well, baby, I'll figure out how we going to, me and daddy going to pay for this education. Because he, he was on the bench, and they was like, my yeah. baby need to be playing. Yeah, hell, he ain't no, gonna play. You might as well right quit. Up. That was sucker shit to me, Walt. That's what it sounds hey, like. Hey, but his homeboy <laughs> from his hometown made him fumble in high school. Yeah, right. <laughs> You rocked him. And then, yeah. and then he clowned his, but look, but then he clowned his brother for going to the league. What uh, something that he? Oh yeah, later on, yeah, do. yeah, yeah, yeah. Show did. Show so his did. mama has some brother. fine genes though, because she 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 produces. Yeah, some yeah, kids, yeah, yeah, Very yeah. talented. So he comes from a talented family. Again, the story of Reginald Lewis versus this book is too different. I think I think we can find the myth of the mythical Reginald Lewis stories that we can. Maybe inspire, but maybe not. Harvey. I don't know. We're still trying to reach out. Harvey. <laughs> Harvey. <laughs> was it just me? Or did y'all read between the lines that his mama was bad than a motherfucker? Fucker finer than a motherfucker. I knocked the dust off that pussy. Yeah, she was fired. All day. All day. She controlled the room. She controlled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She she was one yeah. of she was the Lisa Ray of her time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had to be fine than a motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, all them but kids. It's a couple of things I wanted to park that on. <laughs> we talk about not getting our kids things at, at young ages because it can spoil them. And then we also talk about how we raise our kids 
for success and how we we can damage them. But are we projecting our small minds on some some people? Because there are some people who see something different in their child. Like his mama, she talks about how she saw something different in Reginald. Right. So sometimes we could be doing things for our uh, for our kid to prepare them for their greatness in the future. He for example, called me when he sold a, a billion dollar company, and I wasn't even surprised because that's what I knew he was going to do. For example, yeah. us and Mama, we call cap on that. But I was like, we cap. Hey, hey, let's be real. I, I like the book, but saw a lot of this stuff in the book was cap. But take off be rapping. He even confused Nicki Minaj because Nicki said he, she didn't realize uh, you was rapping about her on motorsport. Cap. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised because that's my baby. I knew he when I named him Reginald, he was gonna be great. Uh, that one ep- that one part when he said his he was in his woman's house and he was he was uh I called his uncle to to come to the house to save him because he was messing with a the, the, the guy's uh girlfriend or whatnot. So <laughs> uncle comes to the house with a gun and then come outside. The guy they they both draw their guns. Uncle said, Hey man. You and Reggie, y'all hop in the car. I'm going to take care of this right here. They ride around the block. They come back. The uncle beat them, settle the whole situation. Like, why would the guy even wait? If the guy lives there or the girl's boyfriend, why would he wait to, for Reggie to call the That makes no sense. That like, Reggie zero. was a wild boy. This this one thing I noticed about corporate America. The people who climb to the top and the most successful in corporate America are the people who don't give a fuck about other people. No, they don't. Well, what I was concerned about with this story. Because Reggie didn't give a fuck. He did. Nobody else but Reggie. So so on the heels of like like looking at like what happens to black successful people. And I was just studying what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma and studying what happened. um, uh, uh, PBS has a documentary called Boss, the black experience of uh, entrepreneurs. It's talking about how when the lynchings was happening in the 30s, these were business owners. So it's it's been a physical attack on black people getting wealth is what I'm trying to get at, violence. Right. And in Reginald Lewis's story, the only mention of violence was this story that Walt just spoke to. Outside of the time that he's acting like monkey fool in the office, I've been there before, yelling at folks. Like, how does he get away with yelling at folks climbing the corporate ladder. I mean, we, I mean, yeah. He had his own business though. Yeah. yeah. He was yelling at folks, demeaning folks. I want to go back just a little bit with him in, in grad school, how he's screwing the professor. <laughs> and he, he used to have one going out the back door and one coming in the front door, you know? <laughs> so he, he did have an appetite for Reggie. Yeah, Reggie did. didn't care. He dumped one lady because she was older than him. And he said, you know what? Your ambitions ain't high enough. Your time with me is done. Everything was contractual. Yeah. And transactional. <laughs> hey, let's talk about how he even got into law to uh to law school though. Yeah, because he quit football. And, and you know, and it was just yeah. No, I mean like the process of like him going to the summer camp program and then him like not having any money. And yeah, the story think, how he had met the two guys. Well, he had, yeah. well, he was a senior, and they was only taking juniors in, in in college. And then how he went to the program, did you know fairly well in the program, top one or two. And then from that point, he had met two of the gentlemen that was in charge of the program out to eat. He ordered a chicken pot pie, sat by those gentlemen, and pretty much like laid it on them. The reason he, why he, he should be, himself. he sold yeah. himself. No, that's a, that's Adam a, Murphy made a movie called Trading Spaces, though. It was on the same shit. They took a bet on his ass. It's the right surroundings and encouragement, I'll bet that that man could run our company as well as your young Woodthorpe. Are we talking about a wager, Randolph? How much you want to bet? The usual amount. Why not? Same story. Like, I don't believe that... <laughs> I don't believe that he... I think he's telling his version. I think the white boys took a bet on his ass, Walt. I think they, think they so? said, yeah. Mm. It was just like but, in training spaces. They took a bet on him. He has this mentality like, I'm going to do this, and no is not an option. I'm going to do this, and I don't care. If you say no to me, then I'm going to go around you. I'm going to get it done. I'm like that. 
when I first applied for the railroad, I got one of those emails, received your, your application, but unfortunately, you know, those uh, automatic reply mm-hmm. emails. I was like, she, y'all going to hire me. What I did was I went on all my social media platforms and I started looking, uh, I started Googling people who work there and start getting their names and getting their email addresses. I never met them before. And I just started sending everybody I knew emails that worked there until they called me back and they gave me an interview because you know, so I understand that tenacity and that that drive to be like, oh, it's nah, real. This for it's, me, it's real, and, and that's who he is. But that doesn't. I mean, no, I, he, it I can't. Though. I can't take his drive away. But that doesn't mean that. So, like with your story, you're talking about networking. I'm just bullshitting, but I still think it was a case where he he pitied some white folks. Man, he pitied white folks until he got in a space. I think the pivotal space was where he made a deal and didn't make it appear like it was his deal. So once he learned that he could make money without white people thinking that they was making him rich, when he plays Mm. the typical role of I'm the handler Mm. of the deal, this is not my deal. You see what I'm saying? I think Mm. he gets to tell this ambitious story around how he did blah, 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 but them crackers ain't looking at him like that. I think I think it's in his storytelling. It's yeah, I finessed them and I got into school without, you know, you know, taking the no. test. True, but they like I bet you this nigga won't make it. Yeah, I bet you will. You know? <laughs> and I think that's how. Yeah, he yeah. Gets I see. But does that matter, Harvey? <laughs> it, at the end of the day, the ends justify the means. To whose to whose story? I guess it, it. I mean, that's the point, right? We're talking about them, right? To whose story? To what point? I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, don't, I think, don't, don't, I think it's, it's, it only matters when you, you, you miss the opportunity for your story to really be insightful to someone else. How, how can we learn from this? Does the average reader learn what you just said, that it's going to take me some tenacity, I'm going to have to go out of my way? Like there was, let's go back to the story in real life. There was a program at Morgan, at Virginia Morgan, State, at, yeah. at, at his school, where there were students who had been preparing for this. He jumped the line, and was a graduate. And the qualification was a third year, the a third year student, and he went to one of the faculties that he was cool with, one of his homeboys. They stayed in the same dormitory together, and Which had is his home. Remarkable. To me, right? Had, Listen, well, it's not I, about I, what you know; it's about who yeah, knows but you. Had, yeah, had one of his we should know that, right? Yeah, have one, have one of the bros, uh, have one of his homeboys go to the faculty and then deliver the me- deliver the deliver the uh, letter recommendation personally to the dean of students. That carried a whole bunch of weight, and then Reggie. St- I mean, Reggie still had to do his part. Still had to do his part, and which his part Thank was. You, Let's, yeah, do let's not so, strip this man yeah. of his contribution. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But it's it's still versions of the story. You know, again, there's there's other if we talking about what happens to the greater good, you know, the pro, sometimes processes get violated. And it's like, yeah. okay, what was you know, so these five people you know, these could have been five. What if these were five civil rights attorneys that now we would have had this bullshit that we going through now that were able to get into Harvard Law and make a difference? But we don't know, you know. And if they was, it, and if you believe in God, like people say, everything happens for a reason. So, so it wasn't that time. It, it was his time. We jumped line. We jumped line. It wasn't his time. I didn't jump a lot of lines before, but yeah, I'm just I, saying, man. I did too as well. I mean, you use you use whatever method you have at at your disposal, right? You you make the choices based off of what's available. He had the choice to go a little bit further at a quicker speed, so he did it. Why not? Like you said, he's a corporate person. He's shysty. I'm not saying it's right, but did it hurt? So are you calling Reginald Lewis the original Pooh shysty? <laughs> nah, just messing around. <laughs> oh, he was the original. Nah, just messing around. Nah, man, like, 
But like, so all right, so we'll fast one, forward. One of my homies calls him a black Mitt Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> Because hey, all he's bro. doing is going around buying up companies and 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 yeah. beating balance sheets and shit. Ain't gonna cap, man. But like every every time he did get an opportunity to like be in front of those white folks and be in front of the powers that be, that man always performed. He always had his best foot forward, and he was over prepared. So it goes back to the twelve P's when it comes to the bros. You know what I'm saying? Like he was overly prepared, and also when he was at Harvard, it was his first time ever having a chance to just focus a hundred percent on school. Yeah, that's Prior a blessing. To, yeah, that's a blessing, and and that and that and that's that's one of the points I got from the story as well too. Like, man, like, um, we always wonder how like so many white kids and so many uh, kids of different ethnic groups be able to perform well because of their outside. In my opinion, some of their outside exterior problems that they gotta they can focus solely on education. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we don't give our black kids a chance to just focus solely on education to be the best possible student. Um, and when he had the chance to do so, it took off. He still had his womanizing ways, but it still took off, you know, still took off. Certain environments, man, you'd be surprised how easy it is to, to yeah. like, like they, like a place like, like Harvard is hard to get in, but easy to do well in. Where some, some other places are easy to get in. But but hard to do well in because the resources aren't there, you know. And so some places it's hard to fail, and we don't know that because we haven't been there before. And so again, it's not to uh, yeah. I'm hating on Reginald Lewis. Fuck him. Yes, yeah. Because because it's a unicorn. So yeah. Why why not why not? Where, where has his contribution mattered? Right, so Speaking so yeah, of hate can, Harvey. Hold that's on, fine, but what I'm hold saying on, hold is, on, Harvey, hold on. Let me let me let me interrupt you right quick. Speaking of hate, did y'all notice how Bob Johnson hated on Reginald? Lewis? No, Bob Johnson <laughs> didn't hate on Reginald. Yes, he Lewis. did. It, it goes with what I'm saying. Reginald he Lewis hated wasn't part. Of, <laughs> he wasn't part of the community, man. He was Reginald Lewis. Bob was Johnson part ain't of the, the part of the community. What you mean? Hell no. When he did. Bob Johnson, what you, you remember? Hold on, me. Your first, your very first podcast when you came on this on the podcast, get it was, right too. Was episode get was episode four on get the forty right. million dollar slave? Get right? it right. Get it absolutely. And we was right. talking about how Bob Johnson owned the Charlotte Bobcats. Yep. And how he screwed I Michael Jordan. I didn't say that. No, I'm talking about the book. And how he screwed Michael Jordan from being That's able what, to own it, and I he was like, was well, you, know, you, can, too. "You you can you can put more people in the seats by you playing." Jordan didn't want to come back out of retirement to play. He played, and he said, "All right, I played, so I'm ready to buy the team." And Bob Johnson didn't want to sell him the team. Bob Johnson got salty when this no name person, Reginald Lewis, all of a sudden passed him as the richest black man in America. And he knocked him off the throne of the. That's what, uh, that's what Reginald Lewis said. Uh, of of uh, the uh, Enterprise Magazine. That's what then, Lewis said. I didn't want to be on Enterprise Magazine leader. <laughs> then, then the book said, after that, because Bob Johnson owned Ebony Magazine, he never featured Reginald Lewis in uh, any of the magazines. It yep. was on some Scrooge McDuck, uh, Glon Gold McDuck type shit. Like, yeah, I don't like you because you got more money than me. And but the one thing about Lewis, like he never is that really competition, wanted to or is like, it just not just not locking him? That's hate, bro. The competition is over with. Get that man his flowers and his trophy. That's he that's hate. He won't part of the crew, dog. That's he how rich in, people are. That's how the crew, dog. Rich people are that competitive. Where it can roll over. It can be sloppy and bitchy. Bob Johnson, as to me. Has always come off as a ban. I mean, so that might be true too. But I'm just saying. Views and expressions. He won't in. The, he won't in the crew, dog. Who? Yeah. Reginald. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't in the crew because he was Re- always working. <laughs> now nah, Reggie. Reggie was playing playing these weird games where, like, you know, he didn't want to be in the crew, but yet, you know, when it was convenient for him to speak to, like the difficulties of being black and doing business, it, it mattered. But when it mattered on the everyday, 
Nah, it doesn't matter. And that's exactly. weird. Yeah. I noticed that too. Like, like how he stood up for the LGBT community, but and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think he a stand up dude. I think he's down with the brown. Then other times I'm like, nah, he's down for Reggie, man. He's down, yeah, for, he's Reggie. down for Reggie. You know, he's not gonna be he a black. Some morals, though, he's not gonna Harley. be a black businessman. He's gonna be a businessman, but don't not do business with me because I'm black. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird, that, man. Yeah, it was that going on. Like he knew he had to. He knew he had to uh, disguise his company as a non-black company in order to get with a deal, but like, still kind of shy away from like the importance of race. Like, I don't know. It's but then give him all like them, it, them funky wanted, Motown names. He just want to be known on his merit and just not be the the best black lawyer. He wanted to be the best lawyer. I can, I can understand, understand that. that too. I can understand that as well. Um, uh oh, y'all hear that? Now we at the segment of the podcast where we do lit bars. All right, Reg- Harvey. Reginald F. Lewis. Here we go. I got a couple. I got a couple. Okay. Here's some, and, they, and some of them are cool too. Check this one out. Um, walk like someone is watching. That was that was dope. Yeah, I like that. That was dope. Uh, why the fuck do we keep having to prove ourselves? This is when he's talking to his blackness, right? Why the fuck right. do we have to keep improving ourselves? Um, somebody said this about him. Success did not change him. He's always been arrogant. <laughs> Check this out. He's talking about Jesse Jackson. If this man can run for the president of the United States, I can buy the McCall Pattern Company. So he's getting inspired by a black man to do some unbelievable shit. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. Here's one. Um, it should be. It is worth noting that he had gotten a major deal done only after he averted attention from himself and his race. So this is the book speaking to that backhanded thing he's doing around race. You know. Um, the MPs came not from the company seasoned executives, but from his own instincts. So he had all these company folks working for him, but then he going to do what he wants to do at the end, makes his own decisions. Here's another one. I tell you, I got a couple. Uh, oh, when he was arguing with his man. Rich, I know what I think, and I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rich under everybody's skin. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> under I, everybody's you skin. You remember the people that they were interviewing? They was trying. They was trying hard to find some good stuff to say hey, about them. And that's exactly how this book sounds. Like everybody was paid to participate to say something good about Reggie. And they were trying hard. You, you can tell like people were trying to every, squeeze something out you of them. You got to pay the quarter for every ten words you said. <laughs> he was an asshole, but he was sharp, though. Here's my last one, man. Every African-American male that's worth anything has a sense of anger in him built up against society. So again, That's cool, though. You know, he knew what was going on, and he used it, like Donovan said, to his advantage. Well, I have one, and uh, uh, this is in the chapter, I'm going to be a millionaire. That's one of my favorite chapters, actually. Uh, Lewis loved dealing in the currency of ideas. I just I like I like how that currency, was worded. The currency ideas. I like that, yeah, too. Yeah, I just <laughs> like how that was worded. Donovan, you have any? No, I don't. Okay. All right. I'll I, I, I take one from uh, from the book. It said, Reggie said, I, um, we're talking about basketball. Um, it says, uh, well, basketball in life, it says, I never looked I never really looked at myself as a scorer, but if the shot was there, I'm certainly going to take it. All right. So I look at it as far as like back to what Harvard was saying, Reggie always looked out for him. So when the opportunity was always there, hey, I got to make sure I'm going I'm to get what's mine. I'm coming off the bench, cold or not. If I got a shot, bitch, I'm taking it. <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think it's Reggie about him. I just think that. Reggie just sees opportunities, you know what I mean? And he he's not afraid to take the shot. If he's open, I'm going to take the shot, so, period. He just have confidence. Let me ask you this. When did you find out about Reggie Lewis? Walt, when did you find out, Walt? You picked the book. When did you find out? Uh, maybe like five years ago. 
five years, years ago. When, when did you find out about them, Lenny? When we picked the book. When we picked the book. What about you, Donovan? Uh, a little bit after Lenny. Okay. When do you think we would have, if, let's say he wouldn't have died, mm-hmm. when do you think we would have found out about him? Because it sounds like we're saying that the black media blackballed him, and that's why we didn't know about him. Probably in the early, mid-2000s when the internet was coming about, then he could have like worked around all of them people. Since he was buying radio stations, he probably would have bought our BET. Yeah. <laughs> or he would have been like, would buy Channel it One. He yeah. bought Channel One, yeah. <laughs> because I, I knew about, uh, what's the lady that owns uh, Radio Kat, One? Kat, Kathy Hughes. Kat, Kat, Kathy Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy Hughes. I knew about Kathy Hughes. Cause she used to send everybody to Piney Woods, but um, yeah, I, it's crazy. We didn't know anything about Reginald Lewis. Didn't know anything about him, you know. Do you think I mean, it was by design, or do you think it was know. by chance? I mean, I, think I, I saw something you on YouTube when they was talking about him, and, and I saw in the comments where this dude said Nas bought me uh, here. I guess Nas uh, talked about him. Yeah, I in think, a song. I think in a weird way, he shot his own self in the foot. You know. He he did not want the story of the poor black kid from East Baltimore. And that might have been the story that we needed. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're he, he didn't want that. Relate to. Yeah, he didn't want that story. And and I understand his point around glorifying that too much. And and he may even personify what it means not to have small dreams. Maybe I have small dreams. You know, I don't know. But I think I think that's probably why we don't know him because he he didn't want that that title and he burned a lot of people in the media. Every time something was written about him that he didn't like, he called a person. <laughs> or, or, or wrote a letter as well. Too. Or wrote a letter. You know? Yeah, and, and he didn't hold his tongue at all. Yeah, yeah. They say he had a fight game, so he really had a lot of bravo about him. He was like, "You can't beat me." <laughs> so again, that violence, that's what I'm saying, man. It's only in that weird space. It's not in that other space where he's, you know, somebody's coming at him for his business. It's weird, man. That was a mess up in the book when he was in college. So he was in college in 1962 through 60, uh, 61 through 65, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, they was talking about how he was, he always talked down to people. Like he was always trying to school motherfuckers. That, that wouldn't never work with me. But anyway, uh, he was Mr. Self-Righteous and he was talking to his roommate and was talking about, man, why you listen to that music? You need to be listening to classical music and jazz instead of that hip hop. And I was like, hip hop? It wasn't no hip hop, yeah. It wasn't no motherfucking hip hop. <laughs> so I, I, what, what, what could have been... In place of hip hop in the nineteen early nineteen sixties, would be considered hip hop. Would it be jazz? Nah, James Brown. In the early nineteen sixties, well, early nineteen sixties, nah, nothing really was hip hop because the funk, the, the funk, didn't, the funk didn't really come out to what late sixties, early seventies. When did disco the start? Funk. Hmm. Oh, in the, the mid seventies. Yeah, disco was later. Yeah, I don't so, know what he, what he could have been. Yeah, it probably, probably wasn't just an era. In the yeah, then it's just going to be that rock and roll. That, that, uh, well, some obscure artist we never heard of. You know, fish mm-hmm. fish hey, uh, bone, I, stinky I, guts. I, <laughs> <laughs> fish bone, stinky guts had that song called Scratch Your Balls. Yeah, you I was going to say, man, but Reddy spoke about it in the book. He was like, I wonder why. He was like, I wonder why more, uh, like more black people don't look into buying existing failing businesses and trying to start a business of, of like his that. own. Yeah, that was because a, we're not, yeah. you know, we, we're not exposed to that. I don't we, like those questions. And, and you got you got to have capital to do that anyway. Like, come but on. Reggie, and also think about it. Though. Reggie did not. A lot of these deals he came to, bro. He was trying to. He was trying his best to use. Basically, OPM, other people's money, other people's money, at all costs. All that. How weird is all of this? He works so hard, but he works these million dollar deals and doesn't come out his own pocket. Like what? Because he was making his money by brokering those deals for other people. Yeah, he did all the legwork. He that became his niche. 
Like yeah. he didn't try. He didn't. He didn't set out for that to be his niche. He was just like, damn, I got good at this. I might as well just stick to this. So he 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 developed. I mean, he built his capital from from that niche. Um, that's how Viacom was started. The guy who started Viacom got his money from because he's an attorney suing people. Um, I, th- I think he would have hit his. I think his, I hate to say that. I really hate to say that. But I think um, in in his day was coming. Had his health not failed him, I think he was going to have to deal with the white man, or he was going to have to turn into um, somebody like Herman Cain or some shit. You know what I'm saying? So maybe it was time to stop. He did visit the White House. He was talking really good about Nixon. He visited uh, Ronald Reagan and thought he was a good president. He said that the first George Bush was all right. So those are three Republican George, presidents. George Bush sent his investigators where his house got burned down. You know and then saying? he said he didn't think that Clinton would be a good president. So, yeah, I mean, this guy, you know, hey, he, and he, he, he might be with Herschel. He might be with Herschel. Yeah, you think he got all lives matter. <laughs> Nah, he heard he funding Hershey's campaign on the low, dog. <laughs> no, nah, he's he's an all lives matter. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's hard being a rich, successful black man. I it's think hard, it's been said man. before, man. And I, and I said it too, man. It's like you know, if you want to be rich and black, turn your back on black folks and and, and watch yourself go. With that being said, rate this book one through ten. I'm gonna give it a four. Okay. I, I don't I don't like it. I don't like the book. It's too long. It's mm. too exaggerated. It's too inflated. Um, and I think, in all due respect to the legacy of Reginald Lewis, we can do better. I think we need to know this story. I think it does matter. I think he has a contribution. I think it's still left for me to find it and do some more homework. But this book is trash. It's okay. a four. Yeah. Donovan, rate this book one through ten. I'd probably give it a six. It was very slow for me. Okay. And um, I don't know if the audio version was just read horribly. Is yeah, it just didn't pull me in. I rate I rate the book a five, and this is this is definitely not a book that I would give somebody, especially somebody who's not used to reading, and be like, hey, you know, uh, this is a good read because they had probably never finished the book, especially when they started getting to all the chapters of the business acquisitions. It's like, God damn, my nigga. Right. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not. It's a boring book. Uh, it start it like it's it starts good, but then it ends up boring. So I give it a five. Whoa! All right, you pick this book. You go I, last. I picked the book. I get a book a a, a solid seven. Um, you definitely have to be an individual who may be like in that in that business world looking for aspiration or just trying to understand like because you got to read through a lot the book was like not well written because you got to read between the lines a whole lot and i think if you don't come from like those like you know impoverished neighborhoods and the way he tried to paint the picture of his life was kind of like looking down upon those individuals that was from like east baltimore so the vast majority of us are from people not necessarily East Baltimore, but from towns like East Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? So we don't have the luxury to be able to switch it on and off. We got to pretty much be always on. And I think it was a good story from Rags to Riches and a great story about perseverance, uh, execution, relentless work ethic. Uh, it wasn't a family-friendly book because you, you never had was able to get a gauge of his, his – uh, relationship with his daughters and with his wife is more so like right. transactional. Reggie was a real, very, very transactional individual. Um, but what he did was a great accomplishment, you know, and you can pretty much take, you know, gems and, and uh, knit pieces from the book and pre- pretty much put it into your life and be able to uh, move from that point. But I give it a book. Of, I give it a seven. That man, it ain't like it's my. He ain't like his own smile, man. That man was had all kind of insecurities. I think we all have a certain level of insecurities, though, bro. That's what makes me human, man. But I just don't like how, how the book was written as far as like painting him in the picture as like 
that nigga in every circumstance. So, like, he wasn't having a rebuttal most of the time. Like, bro, we all have fucking conflict. Like, we all have conflict. Like, and I ain't talking to my friends like that as well, too. I'm not like, it's always, and, and dealing with men is always a certain level of violence that's an undertone of violence that you gotta, physical threat you gotta be able to deal with. You can't just come out and say, man, like, fuck your thoughts, fuck your feelings. Like, this how this shit gonna roll. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Share with your friends. Subscribe. And come back. Some people got to have-